Hey, everybody. Just wanted to let you know before we get into this episode that we do discuss the topic of sexual assault. If you want to check the show notes for the timestamps in case you want to avoid that, go ahead and click the link in our show description just to find that out. Do that now. Just wanted to let you know before we get into the episode. But yeah, thanks for listening. I'm about to bust all over these people. Hey there. Welcome back. Welcome back to episode eight, part two, Electric Boogaloo. Yeah, episode 8.5. Three books, one plot, too many episodes. Far too many. But you know what? We're vibing and we're still having fun. And this is the second episode that you've gotten in the past two weeks. So I mean, hey. You're welcome. We are charity. Make you happy for free. Anyway, we hope you remember part one of this episode because it will be on the test. Yeah, yeah. We are going to be referring back to part one in the next two books. So if you're clueless, the answer's there. That's where you can find it. Exactly. But should we hit up uh, Life and Death first? <laughs> See what it has to offer us? Gee, take us, take us on this journey. But before you take us on this journey, I do want to point out that at the very beginning of the chapter, gee, you... You had a theory in a previous um, episode, I think episode five, that not straight Jeremy is really holding up well. Like, yeah, by Jeremy, it's so, it's truly like I read this chapter and I was like, gee, your theory's holding up. What Shannon's referring to is flower shopping with the lads. I love this passage. It's so cute. They're they're going to the florist to buy flowers for the dance, to buy corsages. Um, Alan just buys like the first thing the saleswoman recommends. He's like, yeah, sure, whatever. Orchids, okay. Um, and she's like upselling him and it works. And then Jeremy is the one who's like agonizes over like what flower, what corsage should I get um, for lovely Michaela? So... Yeah, the two of them are having this whole conversation about the Cullens, and in the background, Jeremy is like going through every flower and ribbon color in the shop. Yeah, he's like <laughs> arguing and discussing with the person, like helping him. He's about a the man colors. of refined taste. Yeah, uh, props to Jeremy. I did have a question though about um, why are they buying corsages on Tuesday for a dance on Saturday? Well, they put the order in. They do mention that like they just pay for the flowers, but they don't pick them up. So it's weird. Like, are you going to drive back to Port Angeles before the dance on Friday? Away. Is there not a florist closer? I don't get. I it. guess I like Jeremy that. is just so conscientious about flowers that he's like, no, I need to see them in advance. I need to know exactly what I'm buying a week in advance. <laughs> He said if Michaela embarrasses me, it's over. It's over. Yeah. I also want to just give a quick shout out to Bo because he correctly perceives color in this chapter. He tells us Jeremy picked white flowers with a white bow. So maybe Bo just sees the world in like grayscale. Maybe that's the type of color blindness <laughs> oh that he God. has. You know, I heard Stephanie Meyer was a disability rights advocate. So maybe this ah! is her- you know, <laughs> yeah, ableism defeated. Um, yeah, and also note that the Tyler taking Bella to prom plot is completely gone from this. There's nothing about Taylor in this chapter. This whole chapter is like shuffled a bunch. Like it's so different. Yes, they do different stuff. And then instead of, so Jessica and Angela, after they went shopping, went to went for a walk down the bay, which sounds so nice. Um, Jeremy and Alan are going to the video game store. Those exact words, the video game store. Admiring nature is for girls. I guess game GameStop didn't like cut a deal with Stephanie Meyer at any point. <laughs> <laughs> or they could have been mentioned along with Coca-Cola. You snooze, you lose, guys. Yeah, but I just wanted to say, sorry, gamer girls. Video games are for boys. Stephanie is way too much of a coward to tell us how Jessica's a beast at Mario Kart. Like, well, but see, I will say video games are for boys, but so are flowers. Good point. Video games are for boys. Flowers are for boys. They get everything in this chapter. I also wanted to highlight, so Bo goes to the same bookstore as Bella, but we get no gendered pronouns for the bookstore hippie. Their gender is just hippie. First canon genderqueer character in Twilight, bookstore (laughs) hippie. Diversity win for the bookstore hippie. Um, Did you guys have anything in that passage? (laughs) No, not really. Um, I, I mean... Other than like once we get up to the setup for the assault scene, which I know you're going to cover in depth and I'm yes. excited about. So first part of this setup, I just wanted to highlight again. Bella goes in a southerly direction while Bo goes in what I thought was a northeasterly direction, is his quote. 
And somehow they end up in the same place. So I'm thinking <laughs> Bo has no fucking clue what direction he's going in. Because we actually later get confirmation from Edward in Midnight Sun that Bella was right. She was going south. So Bo just has no fucking clue about cardinal directions. Cardinal directions, cardinal are, directions for are for girls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like the one thing we get in this chapter. Good unreliable narrator. Yeah, but then the assault scene, oh boy, it plays out so differently it's uh, Shannon do you have any thoughts here weird I mean the setup is so different but I just want everybody to know that today I decided to put on what I'm assuming Stephanie Meyer would consider very scary outfit choice so I have my Antifa Snoopy shirt on and my leather jacket with my dark. shitty eyeliner and dark red lipstick so dark. I don't think Stephanie would even be able to perceive past your pink hair. I think that'd be too much for her. She'd just faint dead away. Can she perceive color? Who's to say? So I'm going to wear this leather jacket for the entirety of the life and death um, discussion. Because- but yeah, what what Shannon is, um, her her you, if you want to steal her look, it's inspired by the return of our, our pin that we put in chapter one of Life and Death, the scary airport couple. The return of the scary airport couple. At last, this all-important plotline is fulfilled. Um, so the woman is described as having lips painted a dark, sticky red, um, just to <laughs> telegraph real hard that she's assigned whore at birth. Um, <laughs> whore. Where's my lipstick? Another AWAB character. Um, so, yeah, these guys are back, and they have a gun. Um, which is, again, very different from Bella's scene. There's no weapons described, um, the guys who are harassing Bella. These guys, first of all, it's a bigger group. Bella's threatened by four men. Bo is threatened by four men and two women. Another mm-hmm. diversity win. <laughs> Crimes for girls. So, yeah, he sees that they have a gun and they are harassing him, not because he's a woman, but because they saw him with Charlie back in chapter one. And they think so he's they're a like, cop. Yeah, they're like, it's a cop. Um, I do think it's very funny that the woman... Um, Yells at him and is like, hey, pig. Yeah, and then she calls him a baby pig. He's like, no, I'm not a cop. It's just my dad. (laughs) He says sorry to them a bunch of times because he's so confused about what's happening. Bless his stupid heart. He has no idea who they're talking to. He keeps looking behind him for the cop that they're talking to. Um, but yeah, instead he is, he's the cop. He's called a baby. Yeah, it's implied. Yeah. And it's implied that they're like in this alley or, or like in this area, like doing drugs or something. Yeah. Nothing is stated what they're doing, but like they're hiding things. So remember if you have dark lipstick or tattoos or dyed hair, like I have all three, um, you just, what did, what did I write here? I said, those are people that do drugs and they will try to kill you. So remember they do drugs. They will try to kill you. So everybody beware of me and my my dangerous physique (laughs) so yeah we all know no one in our society suffers more marginalization than cops they are truly the the suffering victims of our cruel cruel society Uh (laughs) (laughs) i said i can't i really can't Um, i'm i'm joking anyway (laughs) this whole scene is um gross it's it's also like very unintentionally comedic. I love when the sinister criminal types are like dead men tell no tales, as if that's like a great scary thing to say. And it's so um, funny because even if they were just chilling, doing like their fucking drugs in an alley, and like someone walks by and like just keeps walking, like why would they run after him? If you're doing drugs and committing a crime, they would either continue doing their quote unquote crime, or they'd like leave. Like in what world are they going to be like? I kind of recognize that kid. I think he pushed me in an airport. Let's kill him. What? These are like the, literally the dark demons at the edges of Stephanie's mind. <laughs> <laughs> These criminals are like, we need to put Bo down. The benefit is I would get pushed way less. And gee, you brought this up in episode one, but the stark difference between Twilight chapter and the life and death chapter is really focused on the fact that Stephanie Meyer cannot imagine a man being a victim of a random crime like she can no, with not Bella. An assault. Men, men don't get assaulted, <sighs> silly. It's it's so stark in this because because of that, like this whole chapter has to be different in terms of he doesn't get herded into an alleyway. And even when no. like Edith comes to the rescue, even that's all different. It's very weird. In her mind, what is there to rescue, you know, in the first place? Yeah. The whole thing is just playing up more melodrama to the fact that had you just minded your fucking business, you, <laughs> you would have been fine. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, 
right before Edith shows up to rescue him, they for, they've got guns. They pull a gun on him, and then one of them's like, "No, we need to we need to do this quieter. We can't use a gun." And they so they pick up a pipe from the gutter. They're gonna beat him to death because that's quieter. This convenient pipe, gutter pipe. I love that. That's that's their solution. They're like a single gunshot. No, we gotta beat him to death with a pipe. Um, <laughs> this will be quicker. Yeah, and then Edward and Edith are very different in the way that they rescue. Like the rescue itself plays out the same way. The car, they get get in the car. Um, Edith has to be physically restrained. Edward speeds away immediately. Edith has to be physically restrained and emotionally blackmailed to be kept from going after them right then and there. And just I fucking. love it. I love it. I, I love it so much. He he literally has to say to her, "If you go out there, I'm going with you." And even then, she tries. She tries to leave. She tries to leave him and go back after the bad guys. She, like After she gets him safe, she's like, I'm going to go back and probably deliver them a really strongly worded letter. Um, and he has to ask her to stop a second time. She's just like, she's ready to throw down. Edith is way more violent even than Edward in this chapter. I mean, not to mention the absolute laughable fact you were physically restraining a what now? Your human body was doing what now? <laughs> well, he's like grabbed her sleeve. I think he even says, I know she could break out of my hold, but I was just kind of hoping she would respect it and not do that. It makes me wish that Bella had also like grabbed out and grabbed Edward by the scruff and be like, don't you fucking dare. So this is a change I really like because that would have been fun to read for Bella doing to Edward. For him being like, I'll be right back. And she grabs him like, no, you won't. Because no, yeah. I, well, I will follow like- you. Again, it's a specific thing for Edith's character. Like, she's way more decisive and violent than Edward is. She's ready to go. Girl boss. Yeah, because Bella doesn't have to do anything. Edward just looks at her her little face, and he's like, oh, I have to protect her. I can't kill these guys. Her deep, deep eyes. Um, I also like, he asks her why she's mad, and she answers, don't be stupid. She loves calling him stupid and she loves calling him an idiot, which again, we mentioned in previous chapters, if I'd ever heard Edward say any of that shit to Bella, I would have been like, Ooh. I'm going to kill him. I will kill him. No, literally. Yeah. I like it as a choice because it's kind of funny, but it's also like if Edward had done this, I would have had a fucking fit. <laughs> One thing that Bo's not stupid about, and, and he does the same thing that Bella did, right? Bella started thinking about like her self-defense training. He's immediately like, Zigzag. <laughs> like, okay. oh, that's right. That's right. Bo is ready to outrun a gun or an alligator at any time. Or a pilot. He's he's gonna zigzag away from everything by relying on his like half baked baby pig police train. <laughs> yeah, Charlie may not have prepared him for snow, but he prepared him to be shot at any time. <laughs> yeah, Bo is kind of on his game tonight. He's pretty perceptive. I like this line where he's he's ogling Edith in the car, and he says she's a beautiful statue carved by an artistic genius. Aphrodite, maybe. Was that the one who was supposed to be the goddess of beauty? Because knowing the Greek gods is for girls. That's for women. He's way too heterosexual to ever know who the hell Aphrodite is. He's never read Percy Jackson because boys can't read. That's what I'm saying. Like, what? (laughs) (laughs) He's video game playing boy, but he doesn't know anything about Greek mythology. I'm trying to suspend belief or disbelief, but it's just not working. (laughs) He notices that, like, Edith planned to go after these attackers unarmed and on foot, at which point he's like, hmm... The word Jules had said popped back into his mind. The V word. And Bella doesn't get this passage because Edward is not nearly as bloodthirsty as Edith. Well, because in the first place, Edward, when 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 the Volvo swerves around the block, he commands her to get in. But when Edith sprints or, you know, comes around, she's hissing. <laughs> Cat girl, Edith confirmed. More evidence. Like literally, and I think it's just so funny how different these chapters are because the characterization between Bo and and Bella is, is a huge thing that we can talk about. But mm-hmm. Edith and Edward's bloodthirstiness manifests in different ways. Edward mm-hmm. is like fucking edging murder and trying not to come all over. <laughs> He's his Ew. like hands are clenched. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but Edith's like, I'm about to bust. All over these people. <laughs> I can't fucking wait. I do like that because Edith, Edward's like, I, I can't disappoint Carlisle, but Edith's like, fuck Corrine and her morals. I'm going to go kill some people. And I like that. I like that. That's fun. Well, I mean, in the first place, like when, when Edward is doing the swerving, 
he immediately drives away. But doesn't Bo have to be like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, no, like, leave. Yeah, you know, he has, he has to physically be like, get back in the car. They're like sitting there for a minute, which makes no sense. He's like, duck, what are you doing? Get down, <laughs> go, drive. I love imagining this from the point of view of the criminals. They're like, they have a gun. <laughs> They're just and like some standing random, there like... Some random teenage ginger girl shows up are in a Volvo. Go? And she's like, she, he, she's being physically restrained from like coming after them. And they're like, what, what is this crazy crackheaded girl think she's doing? Like, <laughs> but then like he's straight, she's like, do you want to see this movie? And he's like, uh-uh. And like he ditches his friends because like Bella doesn't technically try to ditch her friends. Bo's like, no, I don't care. He says like, how much, how much is your desire to see this movie? And he's, his, he thinks negative 5,000. <laughs> And then Edith tells us she's already seen it. <laughs> um, the other thing that happens in this passage is that Edith's dimples are described about 15 times to the point where I had to make it a new drinking game rule. Every time we hear about Edith's dimples, take a drink of your Coca-Cola. Bob is also like, this is a date. This is a date. Yes. Well, and like... Bo, notably unlike Bella, tells us he has been on group dates back in He's Phoenix. He's been on dates. Bella never went on dates. He's a whore who's been on dates. A signed whore at birth. Well, don't you know, men, they have to initiate everything. Because to, to, your, earlier, to your earlier point, like, Edward forces Bella to eat dinner. But even Edith, mm-hmm. who could kill everyone present, is like, what do you think? Do you want to eat? Are you like, do you want to see this movie? Like, what, what, it's, it's up to you, babe. It's up to you. <laughs> I had that note too. I was like, Edith is way less pressury about taking him to dinner. She actually asks him what he wants to do. She's like, are you hungry? And as a result, he's way less grumpy about it than Bella. Yeah. Bella like sighs. She's like sighing heavily on her way in the door. Oh. I was like, cool. I get to go on a date with Edith. Like he's kind of jazzed about this as he should be. Mm-hmm. possibly mm-hmm. my favorite location from the whole twilight series i gotta say shout out to this restaurant um the host gets way more description here than in twilight uh that hostess was just unnaturally blonde this guy is meticulously groomed he's doing his smarmiest smile and a goofy deep bow and he calls edith mademoiselle Mademoiselle, yes. <laughs> Speaking French is for boys. He really just tipped his fedora and went, milady. Like, <laughs> okay, but wait, 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 because then immediately, Bo's like, Signorina, like, you got the wrong language. <laughs> Bo has to, like, out milady this guy. Yeah, he's like, it should have been Signorina. <laughs> out in cell. <laughs> Can I say my least favorite part of this this scene? Yes, sure. Edith isn't allowed to dazzle him. Yeah, that was my next note, too. No dazzling. This is for men. Fuck off. I'm sorry. I just had to get that off my chest. No, she just has a regular effect. Regular yeah. effect. Her dimples just keep getting them. Specifically, instead of dazzling people, Edith, quote unquote, does a thing. She's like, what? <laughs> yes, her reaction to Bo is also a lot funnier. Like, Edward is like, ooh, do I dazzle you? Edith is like... I do what with my dimples? Because he keeps her <laughs> hypnotizing people. And she's like, wow, I never heard that one before. And then she immediately tries it out on the waiter. Amber, the waitress, is now Sal, the waiter, in case we forgot we're at an Italian restaurant. Um, <laughs> and she immediately starts flirting with him deliberately after Bo is like, you you do this thing with your dimples. She's like, oh, let me test that out on this poor unsuspecting man. And he actually wobbles. He wobbled. <laughs> Hypnotism is for girls hypnotism and doing things um they're also i get we kind of talked about this a little bit but they are a lot more explicit about the what could have happened to Bo. she was like they had a gun they were gonna shoot you i could see what they're thinking they were fully intending to do it they were not bluffing mm-hmm. um so like they talk about it in a way that edward and bella do not and Bo has this great line where he says honestly almost being murdered was not the most interesting thing that had happened to me tonight <laughs> Because he forgets that it even happened. Yeah, he truly <laughs> he forgets, which is so funny. Yeah, Bella thinks she's good at repressing. Get a load of this guy. <laughs> Bella orders her for herself off the menu. Um, Bo just takes the waiter's recommendation. He doesn't even look at. He's like, whatever, the man. First thing listed, yeah. Ordering off the menu is for girls, boys. You just have to hope they give they bring you something nice. <laughs> I'll have what she's having. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, Edward offers his jacket, Edith offers her scarf, and then we get the description of what Edith is wearing. Whereas I, again, I want you to rate Edith's outfit. She is wearing a quote-unquote bone-colored scarf with 
quote unquote, a pale gray leather jacket cut short like motorcycle gear and a thin white turtleneck sweater. So similar, but also instead of like the like beige or whatever leather jacket, we get pale gray leather jacket, but it's cut short. I will say the fact that like Edith is basically what accessorized, (laughs) you know, (laughs) is, is, is not lost on me because Edward is the walking triangle shape with the punga punga <laughs> chest. And Edith instead is just like, wait, do you know, do you know, in like video games when the incels who make them make like the boob physics? Yes, <laughs> just unrealistic, 100%. Yes. Like that's exactly what that uh, description brought to mind. Because mm-hmm. it was just like, what? how are you able to notice that it's thin? It's because you can see what is through it or you can see what's under it like which is it is it sheer like what do you mean thin but i will say her wearing like the crop motorcycle jacket point for stephanie meyer very appropriate for the times um i just also think it's weird that they're both wearing like they're not in mormon uniform but they're wearing the uniform colors like what is with this very and 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 i'm someone who loves a good neutral i mean you know that like Mm -hmm. i'm a but like they're just like these slate gray Office Max employees. <laughs> I mean, like, I, I'm having a hard time believing that, especially like Alice to Edward, but any Cullen would allow another Cullen to dress like a Mormon, like fucking, like to dress like a Mormon. Like it's so weird. It's silly. It's it really glaring. It's one of the ways she honors God, perhaps a little too hard. It is. And then Bo contrasts her turtleneck outfit with the slutty, slutty black dress she was wearing in his dream and becomes <gasps> immediately horny. That. He and does get you horny. Have to, you have to drink again for Bo's totally not blushing blushing. We never hear the word blushing, but he blushes like six times in this scene. And I will say too, to, as to kind of put a to put a bow on it, like the bones, <laughs> the bone, the bone colored scar. It's not optic white, it's not off-white, it's not cream. Bone color. It's not any of those things. She gets extra points for calling it bone color because that's extremely high end, very elevated, very expensive. Mm. And I, it makes me think that it's probably like a cashmere or like a merino wool, something like really soft. Something nice. Yeah, when and he says it, it's really soft. And it makes me wonder too, just because like we get this like description of Edith, but I wonder how broad she is because. The, like, motorcycle jacket is definitely to show off the fact that this bitch has a waist, Mm -hmm. you know, and to show off her hips. But then she's confidently and comfortably wearing a menswear scarf. Menswear scarves are huge. They're so long. And she's little. She's really described as, like, we don't know. We don't ever really get, I feel like, too adequate of a height for her. But she's short and she's, like, she's little. She's the little Cullen. Exactly. She's the small, dainty woman. Mm -hmm. So it's, like... The fact that she's pulling off this fucking cape by the row. I mean, so she gets a 7.5, maybe even an 8 out of 10. Okay, okay. Good job, Edith. Yes. Because she's giving us boob physics. She's giving us texture, material. She wore it better. She wore it better. She did it best. Sorry. Sorry, Edward. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I just do love how when Bo is hesitant to take the scarf, she makes sure to tell us it's not a lady scarf. She stole <laughs> it from Archie because he, quote unquote, has the best taste, which is like the first mention we get in any of these books of Alice as being fashionable. Um, I bet Alice fucking wishes Edward stole her clothes. She would be so delighted. I know. She's like, you could really take a leaf out of my book, Edward. I do also like that he's like, if you don't want that, Royal has a jacket in the trunk. So I love the idea of Edith just like collecting her brother's clothes. She starts to go out and get the jacket and he has to stop her, which is Bo. He freaks out so hard every time she starts to leave the room. And in this case, it's pretty justified because she might be going to commit some murder. But it also comes across as if Bo just like doesn't have object permanence. (laughs) Like He's just too afraid to let her out of his sight. Um, And. The passage where he puts on the scarf is maybe the best part of this chapter. Did I do it right? He goes, (laughs) I'd never worn a scarf that I could remember, so I just wound it in a circle until I ran out of fabric. At least it would cover the red on my neck, drink. Maybe I should own a scarf. He's like, maybe I should get a scarf. And then he says, did I do it right? And Edith goes, it suits you, she said. But then she laughed. So I guess that meant the answer was no. 
She is such a savage. He's never worn a scarf and she's scarf shaming him. I love because her. this is what I'm saying. Like, of course, it's too early, like in, in the 2000s for infinity scarves to be a real thing. But it's adding to the bulkiness of her outfit. Like a thick scarf that can be wound more than once. And she's this tiny little doll. I do have a bullet point that's just two um, lines of just keyboard smash because of the fact that Edith and Archie's relationship was acknowledged in a way that Edward and Alice wasn't. Yeah. Pin in that one. Yeah, pin, yeah, yeah. Sparkly pin. Bo makes sure to tell us the ravioli looks pretty good. At last, more ravioli information. I've been waiting 17 years to learn about the quality of the ravioli. Um, <laughs> drink again for totally not blushing. Um Edith asks Bo if he's figured out what she is, and he still can't say the V word. No. He does not make the same observation as Bella about the correlation between Edith's eye color and her mood, but that's not his fault. It's because Edith isn't being nowhere near as much of a dick as Edward is in this scene. Because like yeah. Bella's like, oh, you're so crabby. You're usually in a better mood when your eyes are butterscotch. Right, yeah. um, Edith is just not crabby. Like she's being much more normal than Edward is in this scene. Not to mention her thick, curly, dark lashes hiding everything about her. Mm. She's about to fly away. Almost as bad as the dimples, the freaking eyelashes. She's a ginger. Why does she have dark eyelashes? Literally, that's what I'm saying. Oh, that's a good point. Maybe it's Maybelline. Like, hello? (laughs) Yeah, Edith is a whore who wears makeup. Sorry we're using the word horse so much in this episode. I don't. I'm not apologizing. That's my culture. I thought I was making a joke earlier referencing Final Destination, but then Bo references Final Destination when he's talking about his experiences of constant near-death experiences. This is the second time this has happened to me where I think I'm making a joke and then it turns out to actually show up in the text later. Like, um, I don't know where this is, but at one point he says, I'm the most normal person I know. He's like, no, I'm normal. <laughs> me too. It's because she's, she's calling him not like other boys and he's like, I actually, I am. So points to Bo for that. <laughs> Self-aware king. Um, but she's very much more explicitly like, no, I almost killed you. Whereas Edward just kind of alludes to it. Edith's like, no, yes. I almost killed you. <laughs> it's very <laughs> fun. Yeah. Well, and it's once again, because like he doesn't believe her as readily as Bella believes Edward because she's such a harmless little girl. How could she kill anyone? But this is the scene where he's like, he is fully convinced by now that she is dangerous. Um, he, he saw her try to go after these armed gunmen, like totally alone on, on foot. Also, unlike Bella, he holds Edith's hands way too long. She literally has to ask, can I have my hands back now? And his fingers start to go numb. Like, how cold is she? She's just supposed to be room temperature. (laughs) She also, my favorite thing, one of my favorite things she does in this scene, she calls Bo out for apologizing too much, which is so funny considering he apologized to the criminals who were assaulting him earlier. The bill goes down so differently in this Fucking life and death. Yes. Uh, Unlike Bella, Bo tries to pay for dinner because he's the man. Which made me think, why didn't Bella try to pay for dinner? Because Edward doesn't eat. Like, girl, you ate all all this food. Like, why does he pay for your dinner? I mean, he's rich, (laughs) so like he should. But she doesn't really totally know that at this point. So like, I would try to pay for dinner if I were Bella. And this is after Edith says her iconic line, try not to get caught up in antiquated gender roles. And I just have the sheer irony of that line being in this book. Speaking of characters with no fucking self-awareness, Stephanie Meyer. Oh, my God. Um, Yeah, he's enraged that she paid for dinner. He has to hold open so many doors, just vindictively wrenching open the door for her time after time. I hate it. (laughs) Also, the, uh, the last note I have of this chapter is that Edith didn't lock her car fucking that's true she didn't you just had an encounter with armed criminals and you don't lock your your fucking volvo okay okay um that's that about wraps it up for me i do like edith makes Bo buckle his seatbelt but refuses to wear her own which reminds me of the scene in the movie where bella looks at edward and says you should put your seatbelt on and he laughs and says you should put your seatbelt on <laughs> Which is such a weird exchange. It's so funny. That's like peak Robert Pattinson, that line delivery for me. Like he just kind of like laughs. Half grimace, half laugh. He delivers it. Yes. And like yes. half of a word definitely has like an English inflection on it. It's so funny. Did you guys have anything else? Mm-mm. I'm ready to assign my MVP. Same. Alright, go. 
Let's hear it. My, and it's not just because I'm trans. My MVP is the hippie for us. Yes! The queer. <laughs> I almost forgot about that character. Oh, I will never forget because this is history in the making. This is history. You got a good point That's there. a good one. Well, and like, we don't even know. Like, she says it was a new age bookstore, but maybe it was a queer bookstore. The left as they come. That, that's like Port Angeles socialist hub. Oh my God. I mean, my MVP, I said, I guess Edith or Edith because she has funny moments or the woman who calls Bo a pig. <laughs> pig baby pig. These are all so good. Yeah, what about you, Dave? I had Edith for murder attempts and roasting Bo. Um, and my runner-up was Archie for lending out his manly scarf. But I love your guys's too. I love all of these, honestly. This might be a three-way tie. I think Edith and the bookstore um, owner should share it. Yes, yes. Let's let them share We it. had two votes for Edith, but we also had the trailblazer who owned the bookstore, small business owner. We love. My two favorite lines is when she goes, no one's ever accused me of hypnotism by dimples before. Because you can tell she's just like, this guy is so fucking weird. And then after she gives her Coke to Bo and he's like, oh, no, no, I, I, you have this. You have this. She goes, I'm not going to drink it, she said. And her tone added the duh. Um, and then, of course, I have my lists. We've got we've got lists. What is for girls and what is for boys, G? Okay. Things that are for men. Flowers. Of course. Video games. Mm-hmm. Group dates. Speaking French, being dazzling, scarves, big one, the color beige, apologizing, <laughs> locking your car, and the final destination film franchise. The whole thing. Meanwhile, for women, we have the Greek gods committing murder, <laughs> doing things, doing things in general, that's for women, um, hypnosis, the color gray, ordering your own food. And knowing cardinal directions. Uh-huh. And then, that of course, one. For, for anybody else, if your gender does not fall into those two categories, um, the things for you are bookstores and being a hippie. Congratulations, guys. So inclusive. Oh, my God. <laughs> new category. Oh, new category for the non-gender conforming. You know, this chapter, I feel like we just have to highlight again, just the diversity the trailblazer. win. trailblazer. <laughs> diversity win, inclusion win. Midnight Sun Besties. Let's let's go ahead and crack open this. Um, it starts so strong. It starts off so strong, but I mean, and so bright. <laughs> I'm so irritated by most of this chapter. There's a few redeeming qualities of it. It's very repetitive. It's so repetitive. Yeah, it's a very repetitive chapter. It's still, I would say, I'm bored by it. I, really, because I'm the opposite of bored by this chapter. I think this chapter is so emblematic. Of Midnight Sun. Like, if you're only going to read one chapter of Midnight Sun, this is one of my favorites. This one and really? the fi- the murder meeting, the family murder meeting would be my, <laughs> my suggestions. If you want a, a sense of what Midnight Sun is like. I think the reason that I'm so bored is because this is how many chapters in a row have we had now where Edward's main thing that we catch him doing is just stalking Bella through either the minds of others or like in the shadows. And here we go. Oh. We get it again. Here we I go. We I'm, get it again. I guess I'm paying less attention to the stalking in this chapter and more attention to the internal monologue and like just everything else that's happening. Cause it's much more eventful stalking In previous chapters. He was watching her sleep. He was watching her read books. He was watching yeah. her do normal household shit in this chapter. Like his stalking actually pays off. And I actually had a note about that. Um, because it reminds me of an, yet another thing I've noticed, like a pattern in not just Twilight, but like romance novels at large, where the the, the male lead, the hetero romance novels, where the, the male lead is like really controlling and like verging on abusive and kind of nasty. The way that authors tend to set this, these worlds up is that they have the world constantly reinforce his controllingness and his uh-huh. like... Because, like, his controllingness makes sense if, like, no, he's just, he's stalking you to keep you safe from rapists. Like, you know? (laughs) It's almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy type thing because he's like, she's going to get attacked and this is what's going to happen. There's dangers everywhere around every corner and I have to be stalking her. And basically he gets, this mindset gets rewarded for him in this chapter because Mm -hmm. he finally... there is, there is a, a danger to Bella and I have to I actually it. rush and protect her because there is a vile mind after her now. The world of the book is constantly proving him right in a way that reinforces all of it's his shitty behavior. validating his paranoia right here in this chapter. So it, it's very interesting to, to get to that. Um, in the very beginning, my one of my first positive notes was that uh, Edward considers getting Alice in on his scheme. 
That is one of my favorites. Because he's like, I should call Alice up because I'm sure she would love to come out to dinner. And oh, we're just we're just casually going to dinner at the same restaurant that Bella and her friends are going to be at. He phrases it as asking Alice out to dinner at the same Italian restaurant. And I I want that at you so bad. I want Edward yes. and Alice to sit there staring at Bella over the top of their menus, like the little freaks that they are. The little like And he knows freaks. Alice would do it. He knows she so would down. jump on the opportunity. She would have had so much fun. I also like I have to give Edward another tiny crumb of credit because he has a little bit of self-awareness at the beginning when he says how condescendingly I'd once judged Emmett for his thoughtless ways and Jasper for his lack of discipline. And now I was consciously flouting all the rules with a wild abandon that made their lapses look like nothing at all. I used to be the responsible one. And that is paragraph two for all of you listening. (laughs) Paragraph two, he starts going on about that. So it's just so irritating because he's so aware of the fact that like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe like I've I've viewed them that way. But then he finishes that thought with I used to be the responsible one where it's like can you step out of your like, jump off of your high horse for a second. Unreliable narrator moment. I'm not sure you were the responsible one, Edward. You were like, not. I think the responsible one is like Rosalie, you know? She's she's A not killing people for bloodlust, but B she's willing to make those ruthless decisions to protect the family in a way that Edward very irresponsibly is not truly queen shit. Well, you know, this whole thing, Edward, is just basically cucked by Carlisle's Carlisle Jr. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking <laughs> exactly. Oh my gosh, I have to look for my daddy. <laughs> <laughs> I hate it here. I hate it here. Anyways, so Edward realizes, because he's looking for Bella in, in, in everyone's minds, and he finds Bella in the mind of some horrible monster and he he says i had once hunted exactly such minds which gives you insight to a time when edward was out there yeah. doing cool things but while he alludes flashback. to we get a real almost flashback talking about him alluding to going back and hunting quote unquote like criminals or i don't think he refers to them as criminals in this chapter but he alludes to just being like he has a cool backstory that we're going to delve into but then immediately in this chapter he's like but i never tortured them and i never gave them any anything more than what they deserved which was just death but this guy this guy who's going after bella right here this Ooh. this vile little freak i'm going to i'm going to torture this one even though it's not the worst mind that i've heard but for some reason this this guy i'm going to peel the skin off his bones like oh god no, he really says so graphic. He talks about peeling his muscles. No. I had to like yeah. put the book down. That. It was so gross. I'm sorry, Rose. Rose's eating. Um, <laughs> I shouldn't be saying this shit. Um, no, it's, it's okay. But oh my god, it was nasty. And also, like my my note here was just Jesus Christ, Edward. Okay, like it's so violent. It's so gross. I'm like, I didn't know Stephanie Meyer hat was capable of this in her her little god-honoring brain of imagining (laughs) such graphic torture scenes well but i wish his daydreams about killing the guys that he's like about to go after because they're cornering bella i wish they were as interesting to read as it was when he contemplated killing junior level biology because at least we get like all the ways we at least we got all the ways in which he contemplated killing them to get to bella in that first chapter but here he's just like i'd never tortured my prey no matter how much they deserved it and it's like boo like torture is good and fun when you're a vampire at least like commit to the bit if you're going to be awful yeah (laughs) he's very self-congratulatory about it so obnoxious and then of course when he pulls up on the scene he's like i couldn't even hit him with my car that would only frighten her (laughs) I think it'd be it's funny. Nice to, he uh, he did consider it though, but I think he realized vehicular manslaughter is for girls. He was like, that oh, is I can't for do girls. that. Can't do That's it. for girls. He gives us like barely a snippet of like a time where he like did like rescue some women from a basement. And it makes you want to be like, this is what I want to read about. I want to read yes. about you going after these like horrible humans that are like serial killers or rapists or this and that. Like that's cool and fun. But yeah. then of course he has to immediately ruined our interest by just being like but life is precious because carlisle has worms in my brain now <sighs> well, like, it's interesting like he actually used to use his powers to help people like she I she know. compares him to a superhero but he's so not he's just like sitting by and letting all this stuff happen when he could prevent it it's like if batman wasn't like on antidepressants <laughs> I'm <laughs> too depressed to do anything but all the vengeance in my <laughs> um does anybody have any other comments before we get to the restaurant g don't worry i'm gonna give you your chance to do your thing in the restaurant okay well but- um i had one about the word prattle 
in Twilight, he tells Bella to distract him by prattling. And here he like over justifies his word choice. He's like, oh, I knew it was a rude thing to say, blah, blah, blah. But like, it just came out. It just slipped out. It almost, again, it feels very defensive. It feels very Stephanie Meyer. Like you can just see her at her hand at work here of like, this is something that I'm sure has been criticized to no end about Twilight of like, it's very sexist and kind of condescending for him to tell her to prattle. Um, and she's like, let me, let me over justify that. Let me just draw more attention to it. Over justify <laughs> name of the game, baby. I want to mention before we get to dinner, something small that caught my attention mm-hmm. was when like he goes into the store first, like looking for Bella and the woman's like, Hey, how can I help? But he's like gone. <laughs> <laughs> just like a cloud, a cartoon cloud of dust, like the road runner. <laughs> like literally somehow between avoiding pockets of sunlight, looking for Bella, and ignoring every person he comes into contact with, <laughs> he's able to juggle all of these things all at once. It's Our favorite superhero. Very funny. There is, I will do this. Okay, let me do something real quick. I'm going to step out of my I can't stand this man's shoes and take off that little hat for a second because I feel like I've been very harsh on Edward. Is it justifiable? In many ways, yes. But I think it is. it is interesting that the struggle of I don't want to be a murderer like that's that's good and that's fine and that's well but like he keeps like equating his urges and his past which I wish someone would tell him how cool and dope and sick it is that he used Mm -hmm. to hunt rapists and murderers that's cool but like he keeps equating that to the reason he doesn't deserve love and like sure again I'll give him that like how's a self-loathing vampire going to think they deserve a human partner but I also think that when it comes to the internal struggle of Edward, um, Bella being human is such a small fucking part of it. It's such a small part of it because this entire chapter, I'm barely even thinking about, oh, but he's a vampire and she's a human because he's so fixated on, it's not that I'm a vampire, it's that I'm a murderer. And I think that's interesting. I will say I do feel for him there. That's much more valid than him being like, I'm a vampire and she's a human. This can't work out as opposed to, I want to be good enough, but I'm a murderer. So that's more interesting. It's about the agency. Like it wasn't his choice to become a vampire. He, you know, he can't help being what he is. He can help his choices of who he chooses to kill and how and whether he drinks their blood, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, so like that is a more interesting conflict and a more interesting yeah. way of framing it. Exactly. Yeah. Like the biggest part of his struggle is is that he just fucking hates himself. Like pitiful man of yeah. the year, right here, folks. Yeah, That's the yeah. biggest part of the struggle. Not even like, oh, we're forbidden. No, you just you need therapy. Something that has bothered me about his whole attitude toward vampirism since I was like a a little child reading this book for the first time is that it's like it has really bad implications for the rest of his family that he claims to love. He's like, oh, we're Mm -hmm. disgusting, soulless monsters. And it's like, you really think Esme is going to hell? You think your your beloved daddy, Carlisle, is going to hell? Your beloved dad. I I don't believe you, Edward. Like, you keep telling me how great these people are. And then you're telling me like, oh, but we're damned and we're horrible and we're disgusting. Like, and especially Alice, like she, this is the only life she's ever known she has no memory of being human like if if they all quote unquote should have died like rosalie has that line if we had happy endings we'd all be under gravestones now no that would have been a really sad ending for all of them and like the idea that edward actually believes that is like really sad and so i'm I'm glad bella comes along to change his mind about that because it's like it's just a shitty attitude and it's it's very unfair it sucks sucks. um so i will like try to like put myself in his shoes for that because I feel like a lot of listeners out there, there's some of y'all that probably are like, but I like Edward. I get it. I get it. Yeah. I, have, I have one nice thing to say about them, about, about him yeah. at the very end also. Okay. I'm um, excited for it. Yeah. Um, but I mean, We're going to roast it. him first. Oh, we have to roast him first. Obviously, that's like a rite of passage. Welcome to the We Bully Edward Regularly podcast. Um, <laughs> I will say that it's it sticks out very glaringly that Jessica worrying about Bella is the only thing that spares her from Edward's wrath this chapter. Because wow. the character yeah. isn't thinking about and agonizing over and worrying about Bella Swan, what fucking good are they? What good oh, are no. they? Bella-centric um, world. Yeah, and Edward notices that Angela winks at, or no, Bella, Bella Edward winks. notices that he Bella winks at out. Angela. It's He's so like, funny! Winks? <laughs> what? <laughs> so funny! Oh my god, so funny. You're trying to 
Is she DTF? Um, what the hell? <laughs> because of this, because of how sweet Angela's brain is, and like she's like Bella's friend or whatever Edward thinks that it's happening. So because of all this, he thinks this thought. He says, "I would find some way to thank Angela for this," and we're going to put a pin in this for a yes, later well, this episode. Is, this is the second time he's fun. thought that. He thought that in the last episode too. We talked about it. So like he really does feel a lot of gratitude to her. Um, I'm telling you, she's the she's she is the moral compass, <laughs> <laughs> the moral heart of the whole series. I well, I think before we move on to Edward thoughts, we got a real quick speed run of Jessica thoughts because Jessica's thoughts are so fucking hilarious. Oh, this tell us what this girly's um, on. She's so she's so like ugh late much when Bella shows up late. Like she's disgusted with everything Bella's doing here. Ugh, who cares about Bella? She decides that Bella totally premeditated this meetup with Edward and has been lying to her. She's very paranoid about Bella's motivations in general. She's like, I think Bella's telling me ugly dresses because she wants to sabotage my relationship with Mike. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's what I'm saying. It's like, Stephanie Meyer, literally, have you ever had a healthy relationship with a Mormon challenge? Like, mm, can you please let us know you in the so. comments? I don't think she has. Like, it's like, for me, Jessica is like every woman Angela, or uh, Stephanie Meyer has tried to have a relationship, but Angela is the woman that she wishes she could have as a friend. Or maybe that she wishes that she were as a person. She wishes she were Angela. She wishes she had Alice. She's, she's like, <laughs> specifically come out and told us this many times. Um, yeah, no, I think Angela, the, what's notably different there is that we find out Angela is a preacher's daughter. She's so nice. She's such a good Christian girl. She's honoring God in every thought. Wait. I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. She's from a good Christian household. Her her dad is some kind of pastor. Yeah. Okay. Hold on. Now I need to qualify. I don't, <laughs> like, I don't like that Angela is basically the self-insert for Christianity. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. So um, the valid wink. I, I like how as they're going to the restaurant, Edward wants to check Bella's temperature, but he thinks... But my cold hand would repulse her. Title of his sex tape. <laughs> Damn it, I, it would repulse her. I mean, fine. And you also have to drink for that because anytime he thinks he's repulsive to Bella, you got to drink. And it happens so much in this chapter. Please do not do this with real alcohol. Do it with two Cokes. Please. <laughs> or like some water, some crisp water. With a broth from your middle. He has a thought. It says, it seemed to be my night to turn heads. <laughs> Yeah, he's finally noticing that people find him hot. I have yeah. he's reading all these women's thoughts and they're saying things like freaking and my oh my. Like Stephanie let them curse. Not even in their own brains are they allowed to curse. And it's Edward describes Edward's describing his physical lures as snares for prey. <laughs> like dude, just be like I'm hot. I'm hot. Okay. Like, physical lures. I'm going to start using those phrases. My physical lures, my snares for prey. <laughs> hot bimbo bitch ideas straight from the mind of Edward Cullen. Definitely the best moment of his physical lures is when he quote unquote bares his teeth in order to scare the hostess. And she just is like, wow, he's so hot and he's smiling at me. <laughs> and he's so confused. He's like, why is she not scared? Because he did another, I smiled with my danger teeth. Why is she not scared? She is my hot. She's turned on, baby. <laughs> he thinks he is the scariest bitch on the planet and he's just going around smiling beautifully and dazzling people but he was just thinking about how it's such a hassle that these whores think he's so hot and they're so dumb for falling into this dangerous trap but also why are they attracted to me i it's a lot of mental gymnastics there and he, the reason by the way the reason he's trying to scare the waitress is because she is so disgusted by bella she reminds us once again that bella is the most ugliest ass-faced loser on the planet what did you what did you call him again raze the the walking wallet the walking wallet. But the thing is, when you know someone is rich when you're waitressing, that's when you brace yourself for a shitty tip. Yeah. So the fact that the only reason I think that she was on this shit is because he handed her that cash and was like, give us some more private. And she was probably like, you know what? I'm gonna get me, I'm gonna get me a sugar daddy of some sort, even though he's fucking Nothing 17. Wrong with that. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Come on, Amber, get your coin. Edward does have a cute moment, I will say, because when he realized, he says, I dazzled her. And he like takes a moment. He's like, the hope mm. in my, he's like, oh my God, I dazzled her. Like he loves that word. He was very cute. So I gave him that. Um, oh, gee, gee, I, gee. <laughs> she, I have something that you're going to be proud of me for. Ready? Okay. He says at one point, this is more complicated than I'd planned. 
which is the title of his sex tape. Woo, I finally contributed to the joke. Everybody clapped. Oh I'm God. so proud. I'm so proud. Only took eight you episodes. It. <laughs> it only took eight episodes for me to contribute to the bit. I love you, Shannon. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, well, and then he realizes he appeals to her and he's like, he, drink again for another not like other human moment when oh, he God realizes that danger makes her horny. He like explicitly <laughs> has that. He's like, she actually, not only is, does bad stuff happen to her, she like seeks out danger. She's an adrenaline junkie. And like, he's not wrong. <sighs> See the entire plot of New Moon. Danger makes her horny. And he he says more things like he is he truly thinks she's about to lose it at any moment. He says things like, surely she would not speak so calmly if she were about to scream. And ah, this would be bad. Title of his sex tape. Got him there. All right. Then I had speaking of homicidal rage. I'm homicidally enraged that Shannon got this chapter. But it turns out she's going to give me my favorite. But listen, I am the queen of charity. Make you happy for free. Make you happy for free. So I I'm very excited for G to introduce this iconic scene coming right up here. Um, take it away, baby. It's your time to shine. Let us know what's happening now. Um, so the reason, the reason I love this chapter with every fiber of my being is this fucking moment right here with the ravioli, baby. This is the abyssal ravioli, the ravioli of the damned. My very favorite, <laughs> my very favorite moment in possibly the whole Twilight series. Mm-hmm. Um non-jealous moment i should specify um okay so here's the passage i'm just gonna read it in its entirety she looked away from me down at her food slowly thinking hard she took a bite and chewed with deliberation suddenly as she ate a strange comparison entered my head for just a second i saw persephone pomegranate in hand dooming herself to the underworld is that who i was hades himself Coveting springtime, stealing it, condemning it to endless night. I tried unsuccessfully to shake the impression. Um, holy shit. (laughs) Fucking hilarious. She's eating mushroom ravioli. Sometimes I lie awake at night and I cry because I will never write a passage this good. No one will ever write a passage this good in the history of literature. I'm sorry, Shakespeare. I'm sorry, Murakami. I'm sorry... Margaret Atwood. <laughs> this is you'll never top this ravioli Persephone passage. Um the uh, the damned ravioli is my my favorite character by far in pomegranate ravioli scene is fucking iconic. And I mean there we go. We get the reason we have that goddamn pomegranate on the cover because Mr. Hades over here with at last we have meltdown. arrived at our Persephone and Hades illusion. The completely she's reaching your honor bullshit illusion. And this passage just it's a perfect microcosm of like Twilight as a whole. Like she's eating ravioli, Edward. She's eating. She's stuffing ravioli down her gullet. And you're like, she's just like Persephone, the goddess of spirit. I am a vile damned being and she is a perfect pure soul. (laughs) Cramming that ravioli in there. For the record. I'm sitting here eating a pomegranate flavored candy because I wanted yes, to be on theme. Brookside pomegranate. Dinner tonight. Love. They're so good. Dinner tonight is going to be ravioli and I'm almost yes. done my coat. Well, I know that uh, shopping is for men, but earlier today, Shannon and I both went ravioli shopping and Coke shopping <laughs> in honor of this scene. Um, I went to Trader Joe's. I got two kinds of ravioli, actually, because that's how okay, much I bitch. fucking love this scene. Damn. And I am wearing my See You in Hell shirt. Also in honor of the ravioli. Uh, I was waiting It's from for Pride a couple years ago. It's a rainbow see you in hell shirt. <laughs> That's so fucking funny. Anyway, ravioli passage, my very favorite passage. And right at, at as we were talking about that, I finished my second Coke. Damn, I haven't finished my first. I have a third one here. I don't really want it. <laughs> don't drink that. Oh my God. In the interest of accuracy, in the interest of having the same amount of Coke as Bella, here we go. Number Hell. three. Fucking yeah, you're going to be pissing tonight, girl. I don't have to finish this one, though. I don't have to finish this one. I'm under no obligation to finish it. Don't you waste it. (laughs) (laughs) In this economy. That said, though, drink again for Bella's liquid brown eyes. And drink again for Edward saying, my touch would be repellent to her. We're getting so many sex tape titles this chapter. There's another one, too. Oh, yeah, there's more. 
It says, he says, it was almost pure pleasure. Would have been, except for my fear. Do I even need to say it? <laughs> I don't need to say it. Yeah. We have to talk about that passage because what he's describing there is Bella touching his hand for a second. And he has the most outsized reaction. <laughs> it reminds me of nothing so much as the Lonely Island jizz in my pants song. Literally. He says, almost pure pleasure. Yeah. Then I really like this sentence. Her lips curved into that one specific smile I had only seen on her face when she was confronted with someone else's pain. And I just have, okay, Bella, you kinky sadist. Like, all right, I see you smiling at other people's pain. It's hard to tell what he means in context. I guess it's like a smile of sympathy, but that's not how I read it. That's not how I'm choosing to read it. Him agonizing all over this stuff, though, is kind of funny, though, because he spends so much time being like, she's going to be so distraught. She's going to run in horror and she's going to flinch back from my cold hands. And it's like, you'd swear that Alice hasn't already showed him like images of them being like together. In love. One of them. You would have sworn that Alice hasn't even mentioned like, oh, you're going to fall in love with her. Like he knows, you know what's happening. You dumb bitch. <laughs> would you like my, my quotes of Edward thinks he's repulsive to Bella speed run? Yes, please. Yeah. All right. Here's my list. Edward thinks he's repulsive to Bella speed run. Did she truly want to be alone with me, even now, after witnessing my literal homicidal rage? As if she weren't discussing aspects of a demon with the demon himself. (laughs) With my innate horror so carefully under control. My skin would disgust her. She would run away. At any moment, her unnatural calm could shatter into hysterics. There you have it. Edward thinks he's utterly repulsive to Bella. In the same chapter where he's dazzling every freaking waitress. And like realizing that like, oh my God, I've spent so much time with Bella. I'm losing my edge. There's no more fear. Like there isn't any fear to begin with. Their heart rates are fast because they're horny. Yeah. He's like, no, the reason people aren't afraid when I smile beautifully at them is because I'm trying to tone down the scariness for Bella and I've lost it. No, buddy. You're just smiling beautifully. (laughs) (laughs) You got a nice smile. Shut up about your damn danger teeth. Um, He does say at one point that commenting on Bella's heartbeat, he's like, "The the rhythm was irregular. Take her to a cardiologist sir <laughs> real girls have heart arrhythmia oh my god heart murmurs are for women <laughs> um drink again for bella's eyes being her clear dark eyes seeming deeper than ever he mentions her deep eyes two times in two pages it's minimum once per page in this chapter we have to hear about her <laughs> eyes um so just like do a whole shot for bella's eyes honestly. <laughs> one shot for each eye well, we put a pin earlier in the moment where Edward hands Amber the waitress a hundred instead of taking the bill and filling out the bill with the tip and stuff. Um, yeah, it's because she wrote her number on it and she was trying to get him to call her. And instead he's like, no, take a hundred. Get out. Get out. Get out of my face. I'm ignoring you, bitch. <laughs> take your money, whore. Like, he, said, he said, I gave the folder back at once so she wouldn't waste any time waiting for a call that would never come. So considerate of him. A sacrifice, a burnt offering. <laughs> I do have my nice thing about Edward. That's what I have saved up. Okay, well, let's hear it. I, I gave my little my little sweet empathy. Yeah, I I'm think it's a, an empath it's, today. Mm-hmm. It's actually kind of moving in this chapter how desperately he wants to tell Bella the truth. He wants to trust her. He wants to be known and accepted. Um, And it made me think about how he's never been able to confide in anyone but his family before, both about his vampire nature and his mind reading. And that's actually really sad. Like, he hasn't been able to be himself around anyone. And she's like the first outsider he's like able to be himself around because she's Mm -hmm. guessed all this on her own. So like, I do understand from that perspective, like why he likes her. Um, Exactly. And it is kind of nice. It's kind of nice to get to see him open up for once instead of being the the brooding guy in the corner with the piano. Um, <laughs> yeah, at least so he I has hobbies. That. At least he has hobbies, unlike Bella, yeah. I have one too. I have one little like small detail that is very heartwarming. We are made to be aware of how cold he is. Also once per page. We get it. You're cold as ice. Your dick is an icicle. (laughs) But as soon as they get in the car, he's like, you know, the sun is set. Let me turn the heater on. Right. Which is probably something that his car never, ever does. I had the same thought. Yeah. (laughs) Mm. I mean, Bella is self-conscious, but God, he's so self-conscious about everything that he does because he's trying to act like a human being. But in this case, it's him thinking outside of himself. And this time, actually, it's not, 
I'm thinking outside of myself to stalk. <laughs> I can't something for me. It's, <laughs> I'm thinking outside of myself to help this little human who's been freezing all night and my cold ass jacket that was just on my cold ass body <laughs> is not helping her at all. <laughs> yeah, he's very considerate of her needs this chapter. He's got the warmth thing. He's feeding her. He's like, I think you should eat because he remembers that she faints easily. Like, that's, he really has learned, you know, some He's things. putting in some work. I, okay, we'll give him that. Go off, girl boss. Girl <laughs> boss. I do enjoy, though, that the end of this chapter is a very fun exciting setup for the next chapter because at the very end he's like all right it's your turn implying she gets to ask questions now so that's literally where the chapter ends which is very fun yeah with them in the volvo love you thunder dumbass i want to do my my speed run of good lines before we move on to mvps and stuff of course Um, hit it yeah so we've got if i were not close enough to provide it some other evil would take my place the lust for slaughter boiling inside me (laughs) I wished there was some way I could have asked her to continue with the threats of death and bodily harm without sounding insane. That was my favorite. Mind reading was, after all, not a facet of vampire canon. (laughs) And for the second time tonight, I confessed to an intended murder. At least this one was defensible. Very good. The vampire canon comment was fun. That was great. The best Edward negs are he he can't resist <laughs> negging Mike even when Mike's not even here. He's my king. Justice for my king. My king. That imbecile Mike. Um, <laughs> and then he even he has to drag poor bookstore hippie. He says the anachronistically dressed woman. Um, okay. Oh, you have a lot of nerves. <laughs> yeah, I know. Seriously, you want to call other people out for anachronism, sir? You out here talking like Mr. Fucking Darcy? Shut up. Traveling, right? Poor Amber, the waitress. Not even she gets out of here unscathed. She had a vulgar mind. <laughs> if he could only read Saint Bella's vulgar mind and see how horny she is for him, he his passion for her would cool how off. How horny she is for him. How virtuous about her friends or whatever. <laughs> it is funny that for the way he views everyone else, um, in his thoughts, he judges people the same exact way for them thinking the same way about like other people. Like, shut up, you're doing the same thing. So. <laughs> So I'm guessing he was not your MVP of the chapter. Who was? Girl, uh, my MVP was Angela for taking the hint and getting herself and Jessica out of there. Because mm. once she saw that wink, she was like, okay, let's go. Big wins for Angela this chapter. Big wins for Angela. But that's just because I didn't want to give you the other ones. <laughs> the MVP. So <laughs> state y'all's cases. G, go ahead. No, I want to go last. No, I wanted to go last. <laughs> oh my God. Rock, paper, scissors. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. shoot. Oh my gosh, what is this delay? You got me, you got me. Yeah, I had paper. Um, To absolutely no one's surprise, my MVP is the ravioli. I just, the abyssal ravioli. That's right. I have to give it to the ravioli for damning Bella straight to the pits of the No, wait, now I'm mad because my MVP was the (laughs) (laughs) Coca-Cola. Honestly, the ravioli and the cook can have the MVP. That's the whole yeah, meal. So I mean, her I meal gets MVP. Her meal gets MVP. And here, here's why: because Bella, she she's in a very vulnerable moment right now, where she has, you know, like when you're with friends, you can like awkwardly look at one another. You can like text on your phone. This meal is the only thing saving her from embarrassing herself even further, so she can think about her questions, so that she can deflect his responses. You know, so. I, that that meal, that meal is the MVP. Back before the iPhone, we had to drink two Cokes and a ravioli. <laughs> like, mm, so sad. Kids these days will never know. They'll never understand. That is so funny. All right, yeah, MVP, we got the ravioli and the Coke. Bella's meal at Bella Italiana. Love that for us. I think that just about wraps it up. Does anybody else have any other yeah. comments? I hope that's we... all I had. Amazing. Well... Um, again, you can follow us on any of our social media accounts on Instagram and on Tumblr. We are three books, one plot, all spelled out. Uh, we also have a Gmail account. You can send us an, any type of email you'd like to three books, one plot, again, all spelled out. The only way it's not spelled out is on Twitter. It's three, the number books, one, the number plot. Um, again, follow us on our socials, send us an ask, a DM, an email, whatever you want. 
And while you are thinking of ways to interact with us and come have fun, if you live in the LA area, there is a rare treat coming your way. Our very own Shannon um, is going to be doing an event. I was asked by this company, Street Food Cinema, to host their Twilight screening on October 8th. Um, I do want to say I'm not a professional MC not a professional MC. So you can be there for her first MC gig. Yeah. I think it's just Witness really history. funny though, because everybody else's bio on this website is like, oh, we're a professional actor, comedian, an award-winning, internationally renowned. And I'm like, I'm a nanny. <laughs> and boy, do I like Twilight. So it's, it'll be a lot of fun. If you live in the LA area, if you live in the Southern California area, just around and you want to make the drive, it'll be a Saturday night. It would be a lot of fun. You could meet other Twihards. Um, so it's really exciting. Doors open at 5.30, bands at 6.45. The movie's at 8. You can buy tickets at streetfoodcinema.com um, slash events slash twilight. Um, of course, you can click the link in our bio for tickets and more information on the event. It's Twilight outside on a giant screen We're with a bunch of people that love Twilight. And it's fun because most of the showings that they're doing in October are very like Halloween fall movies. Gore and fest. I think Twilight is one of the first ones that they're kicking it off with. So it's really exciting that they want to start it off with the blue tent. But yeah, uh, definitely check it out. Peek at the page. And yeah, come out. Come and see me. Come and see Twilight. Come hang out. I'm so excited to meet some people. I hope we'll see you. Yeah, that's it. If you were dazzled or hypnotized by Rosé's beautiful voice, you can follow them on their social media, which is just Rosé. Really stylish and sleek. Just, ugh, I wish I had, I could get my name on things. Right? Oh, no. <laughs> but yeah, follow us on our social. Send us a message. Rosé, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. This was a delight, a pleasure. I'm so happy to have someone with such taste come on and give us the opinions that we so desperately needed on things like outfits and everything else <laughs> the honor was all mine the pleasure is all mine um now g do you happen to have our safety tip of the week i do guys and this will come as a surprise to no one but the safety tip of the week is never ever eat ravioli that shit will send you straight to hell so fast straight to hell damn you right to hell <laughs> so again thanks for tuning in and we'll catch you guys next time bye bye, bye.